Welcome to Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we're coming to you from Eugene, Oregon, and my small little place. (laughs) (laughs) We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. This week's episode, Ethics, the Do's and Don'ts of Magic, smattered with a bit of history. But first, let's start with the chosen deity for today's podcast. Sylvia, take it away. Today's deity is Saturn, the Roman god of planting, harvest, and the turning of time. He looks like an old man with a beard and is often pictured with a scythe. He reigned over the original site of Rome as the ruler. His rule is known as the Golden Age. Ooh. Yes. It was always summer, always planting season, no winter, no any of the, you know. Sounds like Florida, kind (laughs) of. But I don't know that I would want that all the time. (laughs) Right, me neither. He's son to Calus and Terra. He had two wives, one earlier, Lua, whose name represents destruction, and one later, Ops, who represents plenty. He had six children, Jupiter, Neptune, Juno, Pluto, Ceres, and Vesta. Many of the stories of the Greek god Kronos, which is the Greek god of time, became attributed to Saturn to the point that many scholars are unsure of what Saturn's actual original place as a god was. That mythology from Kronos includes the story of prophecy that one of, one of his children would overthrow him. Thinking this was a great idea, started to eat his children. <laughs> Unfortunately for him, his wife did not like this idea and secreted away Jupiter, her son. Jupiter grew up and did indeed overthrow his father, saving his brothers and sisters from his father's stomach. Oh. Yes. Interesting facts. As we already know, Saturn is the equivalent of the Greek god Kronos. Mm -hmm. The planet Saturn is named after him, as well as Saturdays. Makes sense. And he was celebrated during Saturnalia with gift-giving, role reversals, and feasts in December. It was a really raunchy time, Mm. apparently. (laughs) Astrologically, Saturn is seen as limit-setting or restrictive, and his symbols are the scythe, sickle, grain, and nowadays I would say clocks and or hourglasses. Hmm. Okay. Well, thanks for all of that. That was very interesting to me. All right, let's dig right on into our topic and begin once again, as we do, with definitions. First one, what are ethics? The definition of ethics is the discipline dealing with what is good and bad, with moral duty and obligation. A guiding philosophy, according to Merriam-Webster. And our first foray into Wiccan ethics will be the Wiccan read. Okay, so I'm going to start by reading it. And as we go along, Sylvia is going to interject and give some explanations and insights. Yep. All right. Bide ye the Wiccan law ye must. A.K.A. the threefold law that Wiccans, neo-pagans, and occultists use as a moral compass or guideline. In perfect love and perfect trust. Eight words the Wiccan read fulfill. Read being advice or counsel given by one person to another. And ye harm none, do what ye will. What ye send forth comes back to thee. 
So ever mind the law of three. Sometimes the law of three is seen as the equivalent of the amount of intention you put behind your act, either good or bad, coming back to you. Also, it can be likened to the law of karma. Follow this in mind and heart. Marry ye meet and marry ye part. This is mostly used as a closing of a ritual along with the preceding words, may the circle be open but unbroken, but can be used elsewhere as well. Just to be clear, ritual is a sequence of activities involving gestures, words, actions, or objects performed in a sequestered place and according to a set sequence. Now, Sylvia, I've been saying Mary meet and Mary part for over two decades now. Mm. And I've never questioned the origins of it. it just, yeah, it never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. But I did get curious doing all of this research, and I thought I would share here what I found. Uh-huh. Let's hear it. <laughs> My understanding is that it came from a poem by Victor Anderson, who was a poet and an accordionist, who mostly wrote religious poems of a pagan nature and wrote By the Earth, which was part of a simple circle casting. Hmm in which he then used the words Mary Meet and Mary Part. Okay. It was used prior to that by the Freemasons in a similar way, where they would say, Happy we have met. Happy we have been. Happy may we part, and happy we meet again. And that's from the horse's mouth. Quite literally, that is from the sight, the horse's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Later, this was taken up by the feminist Starhawk, and that's when it really became a commonly used phrase in rituals, particularly. So here we're going to go into some history of witchcraft for your listening pleasure. In 1954, Gerald Gardner was sort of the founder of Wicca as we know it today by publishing the book Witchcraft Today. He is considered by many to be the father of Wicca. He wrote several books, and in his third one, he put down the Wiccan law, which was considered a moral inclination, more than a law, but today has taken on a more serious persona. Uh, Wiccaspirituality.com. Thank you very much. Gerald Gardner did found the Gardnerian tradition in England sometime between 1949 and 1950. The Gardnerian tradition was traditional in nature. It consisted of vows, initiations, and its learnings were kept secret as coven knowledge only, passed on by copying the Book of Shadows. Mm-hmm. From this, in 1963, the Gardnerian tradition in America came about through the works and collaborations of Gerald Gardner and Raymond Buckland, who founded it as a coven. It has been considered the first coven in U.S. in recent times. Uh-huh. Raymond Buckland founded the Sakes Wicca tradition, was a Gardnerian high priest, and was the author of several books concerning witchcraft. I have one. (laughs) I have one, too, on my Kindle. (laughs) It's probably the most well-known one, too. Can't think of the name of it right now, but... Uh, Yeah, I can't think of the name of it other than, what, the the blue book of... Yeah. Yeah. The The blue blue book. book. (laughs) (laughs) Raymond was the first person in America to reveal that he was Wiccan. Oh. And much of what we know as Wicca today has come from the Gardnerian tradition and Starhawk's feminist reclaiming tradition. The reclaiming tradition was started in 1979 with a group doing a public ritual, a spiral dance, during Samhain, Halloween. Starhawk is a writer and an activist here in America. 
She is known for bringing feminism to the neo-pagan viewpoint and sparking the goddess movement with her book, The Spiral Dance. Starhawk currently writes for a couple religious websites, beliefnet.com and the forums for a couple of magazines. Great. All right, to our listeners out there, what is the difference between witchcraft, Wicca, and pagan? We invite you to find your own definitions, but we came up with a few, and I'll begin with witchcraft. Witchcraft equals rituals and practices that incorporate belief in magic and that are associated especially with neo-pagan traditions and religions, such as Wicca. Once again, thank you, Merriam-Webster. For me, I have Wicca, a religion influenced by pre-Christian beliefs and practices of Western Europe that affirms the existence of a supernatural power such as magic, and of both male and female deities inherent in nature, and emphasizes ritual observance of seasonal and life cycles. Again, Thank you, Merriam-Webster. I think we can just assume we're using Merriam-Webster. <laughs> okay, pagan means of the woods, derived from the Latin word pagani. And I'm going to tell you I have no clue. We tried to find out how to say that, but I'm going with pagani or pagani. But it is also defined as polytheism, which is the worship or belief in multiple deities assembling into a pantheon of gods and goddesses, along with their own religions and rituals. What is witchcraft and Wicca to us? For me, witchcraft is a tool used by many different religions. It is simply the use of intention and energy to affect the world around oneself. Wicca, on the other hand, is a religion that reveres nature and often uses witchcraft within it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wicca, as I see it, is a legal religion following witchcraft and polytheism as opposed to other practices, religious practices. Witchcraft in and of itself isn't a religion, whereas Wicca is considered a legal religion. I view witchcraft as being more spiritual in nature than a religion. That's very personal to me. Framing it humorously, witches were tired of being burned at the stake, so they formed a union. (laughs) We asked a small group of listeners what the difference between witchcraft and Wicca was. And according to one listener... To me, Wicca is the religious quote-unquote aspect, and witchcraft is more general pagany, magic-y witchiness. Hmm. That's cute. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yes, yeah. Another listener suggested, one feels theistic, a belief in the existence of God or gods, as opposed to non-theistic. She goes on to saying, it's like being atheist, not believing in God or gods, versus being an agnostic which is someone who doesn't believe in a faith or in the disbelief of a god. Mm. It's a very fine line there, but you can see where it is. Yeah, yeah, it's well said. If you guys have opinions and thoughts on what Wicca and witchcraft is for you, please let us know any way you can. We'll have a email and a Discord server set up for you guys. And if we come across something that we can read on the air, then we'll probably choose one or two and answer them for you if we have any answers or just read them for the sake of reading them. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Moving on, what are the benefits of the Wiccan law? Mm. Well, the Wiccan law keeps everyone on the same page. It sets an overlying positive intention and it allows everyone to agree on the 
you know, one basic simple rule from which all other rules will follow. Mm-hmm. It's also this umbrella that keeps practitioners legally safe from religious injustices. Okay. For me, as an overall guideline, it makes it easy to understand what others in your religion believe. It's a connection point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like that. Why the Wiccan law? What is it there to prevent? In one word, backlash. Okay, I'm going to get long-winded, guys. Watch out. (laughs) Whatever you put out is going to have an effect on you and those around you, either positively or negatively. Be really aware of your thoughts and actions. The concept is the energy behind what you do is what will return to you like a boomerang, which if it swings around and hits you in the head, well... That would be very painful. Yeah. I would not want that. Also, if you do magic on behalf of someone else and their request is to affect another person without that person's consent, it would be as if there was a three times two effect. Three being the law of three and two, the two persons involved in doing that. Mm -hmm. In which case it would mean the energy will come back at you sixfold and so on. The main idea here is that things have strong consequences, and you just have to be aware of your intentions. Be responsible for them. Act responsibly and not in haste. Indeed. Make sure of your intent, because whatever you leave open has the potential to backlash. Make sure you have the best intentions at heart, because what you get back with that is the best intention. Yeah. There is another area where this can be difficult, and that is in the role of a teacher. Once you've shared your knowledge with a student, you've passed some of your energy on to them. Yeah. Okay, so you're following that. That energy then is connected to them and what they do. Mm. What they do will reflect back, in part, on you. In other words, a portion of the threefold law comes through them back to you. In knowing that, it should be said that teaching or passing on of information has to be taken with the utmost caution. Yeah, that's kind of scary because what you put out can definitely come back at you. And if it's going through other people and then coming back at you with their sort of negative, Uh then it's also coming back to you with that. And it's your negativity that wasn't meant and their negativity. And it gets kind of confusing, but it's just a mess. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it. Therefore, here are some do's and don'ts for you. All right. Do take responsibility for everything you do, or take credit where credit's due. Uh Act in a manner becoming of a witch, following some basic codes of chivalry, which we're going to be covering. Don't do spells on others without their explicit consent, which includes doing spells for someone asking to do them on another person as well. Here's where the threefold extended law would come into play, as I had already mentioned. How would you feel about doing magic or ritual with a child present? Well, my initial reaction to this is don't do magic with children present unless they're fully capable of comprehending the material and the intention. Be sure, absolutely sure, to explain things thoroughly and get informed consent. I would only do a ritual with a child that was made for children and the child understood their part in the ritual as well as the significance of the ritual. There are... Rituals that are beyond the ability of a child to understand and or sit through. And in that case, they should be taken care of elsewhere. 
Yeah, I really like that. Thanks. Oh, and a side note. This really applies especially in ritual. When the circle gets cast, the energy can't have a break in its flow. If a child is present and it becomes distracting, the energy is then taken away from the magic intention that completes the cast circle in the strongest manner possible. Mm. For example, a baby's cry is going to distract the mother and her energy, likely other people's as well, then her energy is going to obviously focus on the child, not the energy she was holding for the circle. This then weakens the circle, and that's when things can really go wrong, because it allows for the possibility of negative energies to come in, which is the whole point of holding a circle is to prevent that. Yeah. And we're likely going to come back to that when we cover energy work and circle casting. Yeah. Moving on, Sylvia, are drugs okay in ritual or magic? I'm going to start with a don't here. Don't come to a ritual fuzzy-headed or intoxicated when a clear head and intention are needed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not only are you affecting the magic in that case, but also you, and if you're in ritual, you're going to be affecting everyone else because mm-hmm. you're sharing energy. Yeah. Do participate in rituals that include legal drugs to help facilitate the expansion of mind and spirit. Ayahuasca is a prime example. It comes from the native peoples of the Amazon basin and is a psychoactive substance. There are other ways of achieving altered states, such as a sweat lodge used by some Native Americans. Yeah. Oh, keep in mind, we are not encouraging the use of illegal substances here. No, not in the least. Now, we have some guidelines that we suggest and that have been suggested to us by others. This is a witch's code to live by. These are codes of honor and should be adhered to at all times by anyone who practices the craft. And these are things that I definitely had to learn when I was practicing in the coven. So Yeah. That's where they were familiar to me. Whatever you think has an effect on the world around you and in the worlds beyond. What you think will come into being. Therefore, exercise the utmost caution in what intent you put out. And this goes right along with the Wiccan law and the rule of three. Mm-hmm. For me, this is partially be careful what you wish for and also be mindful of your influence. Mm-hmm. As a witch, your promise is your word. It is the equivalent of an oath. Consequently, be sure to keep it. As wielders of power, people need to know they can rely on what we say. It's also just good manners. That said, be careful with your promises. Make sure you can keep them. Otherwise, don't make that promise. Mm-hmm. Be careful who you make friends with. Make sure that they are worthy of your friendship. Who you confide in is very important. With that in mind, be careful who you bring into your inner circle. Don't speak ill of others because you never know the full story. Now, you may be right in front of a person and think you know what's going on with them, but you never know what's behind the scenes and what that looks like. You don't know what they've been through and, you know, their full history. You haven't walked in their shoes, so you just can't possibly know, and you can't walk in their shoes, and they can't walk in yours. Yeah. Don't pass on gossip, as it is most likely wrong and will do harm. Here, it's like the old phone chain from school. Do you remember those? Yeah. Yeah where things get misunderstood and then they change the longer it goes on. Mm -hmm. Also, most of the time, gossip isn't verified or true. 
get it or give it to the horse's mouth directly. If you wouldn't say it to the person yourself, then I'd advise not saying it at all. Or if that person wouldn't say it themselves, I would say, don't pass it on. I'd like to pass on a little, uh, not gossip, but an example, actually. I used to work at a big place that had a small cubicle and then lots of cubicles all around it. And, you know, people get up and walk around and need a stretch and, mm-hmm. you know, want to talk. And um, most of the time, people want to chat about other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's okay to a point. But, again, you've got to be careful what you're saying. And people would want to come to me and they want to share little bits of secret information or gossip, as we'd say. Mm. You know, what's yummy and juicy. Uh-huh. And as they would come towards me and start speaking, I'd say, wait a second, just stop right there. Is this something that that person would tell me themselves? And I'd literally say that. And people would kind of stop and think a minute and then go, okay, never mind. And they'd either start talking about something else or they'd walk away. Uh-huh. They never were offended, surprisingly. Huh. It was so interesting, and for me, it was really a relief, because then I wasn't suddenly holding this secret, you know, and it just doesn't feel good. If you, you know, start to do this as a sort of a experiment, you might get to feel this yourself. It's not always the easiest thing to do, but it's kind of really a fun experiment. Hmm. You have to be honest with others and let them know you expect the same in return. This is also part of keeping your word and being truthful. The heat of the moment blurs the truth. It's a virtue to stay level-headed. Often, when we get angry, our emotions are ruling us, not our heads. And we're bound to do or say something that we'll regret and likely be hurtful to another person. And that's something you can't take back. Mm -hmm. Always think about the consequence of your actions and how they affect others. Mm -hmm. Good humor and graciousness are precious and should be treasured. Yes, indeed. The actions of honor and courage are qualities that last forever. History and myth echo these qualities. All right. Support others of the faith, and they will support you. There is still hostility and misinformation out there. It's important to stick together and support others of the pagan ways. Don't give away secrets of other witches, because they have worked hard to earn their secrets. The way of the witch is not easy. It is also not the same for everyone. Don't give out others' hard-won secrets. That is for them to do and for them to decide who knows. Mm Mm-hmm. When you choose to enter a house of another faith, you should be sure to quietly try to comprehend and participate in their practices. This is simple respect. Respecting the traditions and rituals of others is good manners. Yeah, and I find an easy trick for this is if you are in there and you suddenly decide, oh, wow, I don't really agree with this or I can't go along with this, maybe it's the wording that's bothering you, then I suggest trying to replace those words with words that you can relate to. Oftentimes what you'll find is that it actually sort of ends up meaning the same thing. It's just that you're using different words. You just sort of say that internally. You don't say that externally. That way you can be with this, uh, I think, a little easier if you're not comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, friends who are Christian, and they pray before each meal. And when they pray, I imagine that they are talking about Kernanos, the God, and um, when they're talking about God. And I just 
you know, sit there and I think along with them. And then when they say amen, I say quietly to myself, so mote it be. Yeah, yeah. All right. Don't talk about the craft to people you can't trust or are prone to misunderstand its intent. Don't judge other people's belief systems. There's more than one path to the center. This is also respect. There's as many ways to believe as there are people. Isn't that the truth? Be humble and remember you do not know it all. Do you know it all? Yes, I do. Well, good for you. I sure don't. (laughs) Um, There's always something left to be learned. I definitely don't know it all. There are people that are much better than me at many things. Ritual, candle magic, a lot of things that I don't really know about or I'm not good at. And I can learn from others who are better than me. Yeah. um, And, you know, you can learn a lot from others that are better than you and me. And I am a quote unquote teacher. I can tell you that I learn so much from everything that's out there and it just Mm -hmm. never ends. So I always kind of feel like I don't deserve the title of a teacher because I still feel like I'm really learning, you know. That's awesome. I think that's really awesome. Well, that's why they call it a practice. Mm Mm-hmm. Good point. Be proud of yourself and work body, mind, and spirit equally. How can you take care of others if you don't take care of yourself? The more you learn, the greater your power. So use the utmost caution in its use. Now, power is the equivalent of energy, and it builds upon itself. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. Okay. My brother would say it's like an old hand crank car. The more you turn the crank, the more power you give to start the engine. And then the engine soon will run smoothly. And then that power comes more easily and continues to build its force. And then suddenly you've got forward motion. And that forward motion can then speed up. Well, mm-hmm. you want to be careful of what's in your way, you know? Yeah. If you're driving that car, you definitely have to be in control of it and be aware of what it's going to affect around you. Yeah. That's my little um, analogy. It's <laughs> a good one. Finally, the most important thing is be true to yourself. Okay, here is a really good opportunity to address coming out of the broom closet. Firstly... Oftentimes, it's easier for adults to come out rather than people under the age of 18. Yeah. Kids have to answer to their parents, and they are under their legal supervision. This can cause difficulty if you're in the broom closet but want to join in functions that require consent to participate in them. In those cases, you definitely want to try to find a way to come out of the broom closet. Yeah. Sneaking around is not a good idea. No. Okay, whether it's kids or adults, both of them, you know, have the stigmas and face the stigmas of Hollywoodization and sensationalist journalism. In most cases, the first label thought of is that of satanic worship. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of investment and vulnerability in telling people what you're passionate about, no matter what it is. One way to go about coming out is to relate how it isn't Satan worship, that witchcraft doesn't believe in the devil or evil. We don't even believe in doing harm in any fashion. Also, you might convey how it's changing you for the better. Like, where is it that it is having a positive effect, such as self-empowerment? What are you getting out of it? What do you hope to get out of it? 
do some research and compare how it is similar to other religions. Know your information. This way, when questions are asked, you're able to answer them clearly and confidently. The more confident you are, the more likely someone can understand where you're coming from and be accepting of your happiness. Now, if you're dealing with a work environment, as an overall statement here, I would suggest trying to say as little as possible. If you find you have to speak about it, say in order to get time off and they're giving you a hard time about that, I'd say that it's a legal religion wherein your religious beliefs are protected under the Wiccan tradition. Even if you don't really connect with Wicca with your specific type of practice, Wicca is recognized as an all-encompassing umbrella in a legal manner. However, playing this card isn't something that should be abused and maybe requires more legal research than I've covered here. I'm just giving you the broad strokes. And my advice is coming out of the broom closet can be hard due to mistrust and stigma against witches. Getting through that stigma can be quite the obstacle. We often want to show our loved ones who we are and our beliefs are a part of that expression. That stigma of devil worship and the negative images shown of witches in the media don't help if you happen to be pagan. It creates a barrier that can be difficult to overcome. What might help is to explain what we truly believe, as well as explaining our rules. Only you can judge whether the person you're talking to is open-minded enough to accept your true beliefs, rather than what they've been told and shown by society. That makes this a very tricky proposition if you're under 18. The best way I can think, and have used, is to show similarities between spiritualities. For example, between Christianity and Wicca, there is Christianity's do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And Wicca has, and harm ye none, do what thou wilt. And this is both talking about other people and don't hurt other people, don't treat them badly. You know, look at those similarities. The rituals you do are prayers, just like the prayers of others. And we are all looking to become better connected with what I call the divine and what others may call God. Mm -hmm. We are also looking to become better people. I would focus on these things, but above all, be safe. Mm -hmm. Don't come out of the broom closet to just anybody. Make very sure you can trust them. On the other hand, if you want to live as a witch openly, be ready for stares and backlash against you as those who don't know any better react to your beliefs. And I add on to that, that, you know, if you do come out, you quite possibly could actually come into somebody who's very interested and might be also new to it and want to know more information. So you need to also be responsible for the information you hold and what you give out. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, just... Do some studies and be confident and know your information. Yeah. One of the, the positives of being openly Wiccan is that you may find people that you didn't expect to be witches or into witchcraft, and you may find their support. Mm-hmm. I've done that quite a few times when I see somebody who has a pentagram. I've walked up to them and said, I really like that, and I'm also of the pagan faith. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to get into conversations with them. Yeah, yeah. At this point, we'd like to invite you to research further on your own to get a better feeling for the foundations of the craft so that you are well-informed. 
You can participate further by starting a journal mm-hmm. and writing down your own fundamental codes to adhere to. Yes. I know that I find journaling rather difficult, mm-hmm. but it is a really good method to discover more about yourself. It's always surprised me that those exercises people say, well, just write down anything on the page, even if it's the same thing over and over and over again. Something may come. And that's actually really true. It does work. Yeah, I find it really hard to journal myself, so. Okay, before we leave you today, here is the tarot card of today's podcast. Today's card is the devil. It's a time of temptation and misguidance. That's pretty much what it represents. And here I'd say it refers to the temptations of doing magic without thinking it through first. Or being angry and doing something out of haste to try to rectify it for your own good. Maybe you want to do something good that involves another person, but it's without their express permission. You shouldn't, because you don't know what's good for another person, no matter how much good you think you're doing. Uh Doing magic on another without permission is a big no-no, and this rule applies regardless of your intention. You just can't assume to know what's best for another person. And hopefully you don't want to do any harm. This would go directly against the Wiccan read and the very basic morals of the tradition. And as you can see, we've come full circle here. Mm-hmm. Please join us in our next podcast when we discuss energy work, circle casting, and the moon. And please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you find us. I'm Tatiana, saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia, saying so long, and thank you for writing with us. This has been... Powered by magic. magic.